0: Greetings and welcome to the ninth episode of the Rocket IT Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hyatt, and today I'm sitting with the man that Google recently named one of the most interesting trainers in the world. Through his work in both the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, Deming Bass has helped thousands of organizations develop winning marketing strategies for their brands. Deming is an entrepreneur with a passion for teaching, leading him to serve as an educational speaker for Google's Grow with Google initiative. He's also an accomplished artist, songwriter, father, and a great friend to me personally. I like to call Deming the world's most interesting man. Deming, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs)
0: So Deming and I, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time. Yeah. We're, we're good friends. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I feel like if you lived closer, we yeah. could be really close friends. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you're traveling all over the world these days. I am. And yeah. uh, kind of hard to catch. And so you've made the trek up here to uh, Swanee, Georgia to join yep. us. And I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. So let's drive right in. Let's do a little bit of uh, background here, because uh, you and I met in the chamber world. Yes. When when we met, uh, I was a member of our local chamber of commerce, the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce, and you were there in a leadership capacity. You actually helped recruit me uh, to the chamber. Do you remember that?
1: I do. Yeah. I remember you were one of the members that liked to complain a lot. Right. Yes. Absolutely. That's how it started. It was good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Feedback is a Actually, gift. you know what? There's probably some truth to that. I think you're actually telling the truth. I, I am, was complaining yeah. about yep. something. <laughs> complaining about a program right. and how we can make it better. Right. And you had actually really good ideas. Oh, good. So we went to lunch at the 1818 Club, and mm-hmm. I took all your ideas, and I took them back and well, made it better. And
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, and left the organization. <laughs> yeah. And those yeah. ideas are still on the table. To, That's no, right. No, I'm kidding. They were, right. they actually, I do remember you. Yep. implementing some of those ideas. Yep. So, give me a little bit of background. Where are you from?
1: Okay. Did
0: you, you came from the yeah. chamber world when yes. I met you, but yeah. uh, but I think you actually had some experience prior to that in the chamber. Oh, world oh yeah.
1: So I'm a North Carolina guy, born yeah. and raised in Charlotte, and uh, went to NC State, big Wolfpack fan. Nice up there in Raleigh, and spent the first eighteen years uh, in the Chamber of Commerce world as a chamber executive. Wow. So I got my start up in Cary, North Carolina, and then with Raleigh, and then when you met me, I'd moved down to Gwinnett County. So I've right. been doing it, I guess at that point, it'd been about, oh gosh, eight or nine years, 10 years into uh-huh. it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so what, what brought you to Georgia?
1: So uh, a girl. Ah. So it was the girl I was dating at the time. Uh-huh. And okay. as it got more serious, we decided to. Hey, I was in a better position than you, so I ended up <laughs> moving
0: down here. She wanted to be in Georgia. You wanted to be in North Carolina, so you compromised
1: and you yeah. moved to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, well, she was already in Georgia, right. so she was calling the shots. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad you made it here because we'd never our paths might not have crossed. Exactly. If, uh, that were not the case. So you worked with the chamber. And you continued with the chamber even even after that, right? When well, you left uh, the Gwinnett Chamber, Yep.
1: Yep. So I was with uh, I was in Gwinnett for about five years, two thousand five, mm-hmm. two thousand ten, and then was recruited over to the neighboring uh, competing chamber, Cobb, mm-hmm. uh, where I was the chief operating officer over there for another three years. After that, awesome. Yeah, so.
0: You seem like, the from the time that I've known you, you sort of have a heart for the nonprofit world. Yes. But also, it seems like you've got a heart for organizations that have broad reach. Can you tell me a little bit about, about that? When I mean, because you've had experience with all kinds of big businesses, small businesses, nonprofit organizations, probably schools, and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that the draw for you?
1: I I would say yes. I mean, I think the big thing is working for organizations or working and helping organizations that have a big impact, uh, both with their employees or the community. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I loved about my chamber days. Uh, You know, One of the biggest uh, benefits of when you work for a chamber is that you are actually working with people Mm -hmm. and also creating new ideas and programs and initiatives that are gonna have a lasting impact. And so you're able to see when you put something together, you're able to see tangibly the jobs that are created, the businesses that are moving into the area. You're able to see uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that, that, you know, come out with just an idea and you help them through those early phases, the struggling phases, and you're with them all along. And the next thing, you know, like you, right. uh, then they're on the board. And mm-hmm. I think you chair, did you chair the chamber? Or you Not ever, yet. So, okay. They got to get on it. They got to get <laughs> right. on are you, like, I don't, I don't have time for that anymore. I'm too big, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, so it's, it's great to develop those relationships like ours. And, uh, And, yeah, again, education, working Mm -hmm. with education, working with the school systems, the colleges. And then even the businesses that I've had a... Honored to work with, like Constant Contact and Google, these big high-tech brands, mm-hmm. where they've ever since they were founded, um, there's been that sense of hey, it's it's not just about turning a profit, but it's about helping to make the world a better place, mm-hmm. and being there whether it's Constant Contact and helping small businesses be successful, and with Google helping to make the world a little smaller place and helping people find what it is, and make their lives easier in some way. And then even the program we're doing now, Grow with Google, where, you know, you're, you're going out into the community for free mm-hmm. and helping businesses be successful, help job seekers find the jobs that they love, you know, helping educators and in- introduce skills into the classroom and helping the students have those digital skills that they need to be successful. So every step along the way, it's, it's just been great to be a part of those organizations. Yeah.
0: Well, let's talk about the transition from the chamber world and then You did. You left to Constant Contact. What did you do with Constant Contact?
1: So Constant Contact essentially recruited me to be what was called a regional development director, which was essentially the marketing director at the time for about three states when I started. Mm -hmm. And by the time I left, six states. So essentially the southeast. And so our go-to-market strategy back then was to go out into uh, the communities all over those six states and to help small business owners be better marketers by learning how to be more effective in their email marketing to help grow their company. Uh, so we did that, and also I had to manage a team of what we called authorized local experts. So I had to go out and work with and find really successful uh advertising agencies, marketing agencies, web design companies that really know their stuff right. to also be able to go out and help educate uh, those small business owners.
0: So I feel like almost everybody knows what Constant Contact it is, but what it, what that product is. That is yep. an email marketing platform, right? That's
1: right. That's right. Constant Contact was, and I'm pretty sure still is, the largest email marketing platform out there. Right. Uh, definitely in the United States, if not the world. Uh, they've been around ever since the start of the internet pretty mm-hmm. much in the 1990s
0: so that probably was an interesting transition for you though because uh, all this time you've been working from within the chamber and you have helping all these organizations yep. that are looking to grow their businesses and, and get more exposure through the chambers of commerce and now you're actually participating uh on the other side of the, of the uh, equation right you're you're actually coming to the chamber events you're networking with other businesses I'm sure you're speaking a lot of those events. Yep. How how was that transition for you?
1: It was it, well, what well, the biggest challenge to that was going from a a job where you were going to a building every day mm-hmm. and you were in a building working with other people to that job I was working remotely here based out of Atlanta where our headquarters is in Boston right outside of Boston Massachusetts mm-hmm. and I'm re, I'm managing a team but it's all remote. Mm, and awesome. so that was interesting, is having to be disciplined enough mm-hmm. to make that transition. And also, the biggest struggle was to not feel guilty about not working all the time. Like you know, it's it, it was interesting that, but and that plays into the other big switch, which was going from a nonprofit to a for-profit public company, big brand. Everything is driven quarterly. You have quarterly bonuses. And so, you know, you would look at, and one of the lessons I learned out of that was to focus on what are the most important things to do, which I tied it back to my bonuses, <laughs> like right. anybody would. Yeah, that's and anytime it's supposed to work. I know. Anytime I was asked to do stuff, I was like, well, how does this, does this tie in with my, my goals, my mm-hmm. KPIs for the quarter? Uh, so I love that because you mm-hmm. have these very clear KPIs mm-hmm. uh, versus when you're in the chamber, everything is kind of... Uh, Or murky? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have that. So, But what would happen is I would hit my goals early on, halfway through the quarter. Wow. And then I didn't want to do too much more because another lesson in life is don't go over your goals too much. Because the next quarter...
0: Unless you work at Rocket IT (laughs) and then it succeed. Goals every. Quarter, I think
1: five percent uh, month after cr- month. I think five percent every goal is manageable. Because then, if you go way over goal, then the next quarter that's going to no, be good. your. Goal. <laughs> that was my my strategy was slow, st- you know, steady growth rather uh-huh. than hockey stick growth.
0: Okay. All right. So so that was uh, that's interesting. We're going to talk about that a little bit, little bit because yeah, you know, I'm I'm only half kidding here. Yeah. That was through the lens of employee. Yes. Today you're wearing the hat of yep. employer. Yep. And so I bet you uh, maybe your perspective is different as as a uh, solopreneur or an entrepreneur.
1: I would say yes and no. Okay. Uh, Because as I say that, you have to remember that I always exceeded goal. Mm -hmm. So I always achieved and and overachieved what they asked me to do, Mm -hmm. right? And kept it. In fact, my organization, my team, when we started, there were 24 teams in the country, Wow. And our, my That's team was 22nd day. out of 24 <laughs> in terms of performance. Right. And by the time, in three, three or four years later, we were number two, about to knock off number one. Wow! So I say that, you yeah. know, I'm kind of joking about right. that. But, but I, you, I did have to manage that right. and then take time off and, and relax it. Now, on the other side of that, I've learned how to manage to get the most out of people Uh, and to understand, you know, okay, this is how we're going to incentivize you to be successful and just make sure you have that good steady growth Mm -hmm. without burning them out. Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's awesome. So what happened next? You left, you left constant contact at some point.
1: Yeah. So then, then what happened? Well, so constant contact was going great. And then we all got laid off. Oh, okay. <laughs> So that okay. was, well, that was in Las Vegas oh, with boy. friends. Oh. So, um, so yeah, we were acquired by a company called, uh, Endurance International. Mm-hmm. And like with a lot of acquisitions, they came in and they started making cuts all over the place. So mm-hmm. it, w- it wasn't quite a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see people going right and left, right and left, and then finally they pulled the trigger and, um, but like everything in life, you know, a lot of times it's, it's those, the worst moments mm-hmm. that you end up learning the most or, or it forces you into doing things you maybe weren't comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. But that's where change and growth happens and so I remember of course we had a pretty good severance uh and I was always a Dave Ramsey guy debt free and all that Mm, nice so I remember I had time to figure out what do I want to do next and do I want to go back into the corporate world do I want to go back into the chamber world or do I want to do my own thing and one of my ALEs out of Alabama was talking to me and he said uh he had been laid off from years ago from his advertising company. And then he grew what was essentially the largest web design company in Alabama, really hmm. successful. But it started when he was like, go. some, somebody gave him this advice. They said, write down a list of who you want to work for. Hmm. And I like wrote down, if I was going to go back to work for somebody, I wrote down, I think number one was Zach Brown Band. Right. And then <laughs> number two was uh, Donald Miller, oh, who was yeah. the CEO of StoryBrand. And I had seen him uh, about eight months earlier at a big uh, women's entrepreneurial conference. I was checking it out for Constant Contact because we might sponsor it. And that's, I'd never heard of because him.
0: Why else would you be at a women's conference? Ex- except, yes,
1: yes there <laughs> there could be reasons there, but uh, yeah. So I'm there checking out, and then I I never heard of Don, and I heard his keynote, and uh-huh. I was like, this is the best marketing presentation I've ever heard. So really, I started wow. following you know his podcast and mm-hmm. learning more about him. So I had Donald Miller down as number two, but he's based in Nashville. And I looked it up, and that 's when I found out they had a story brand guide program mm-hmm. where you could be an official guide for the program, but run your own firm and that sort of led one thing led to another, uh, and I decided, you know this is the one time I can really jump off and try to do my own thing I think yeah. it 's the right time. And, so and Zach Brown hadn't called. Yet. And Zach Brown, I didn't even get around as I skipped Zach and went straight to, to Don. Nice. <laughs> and then maybe I'll come back to Zach another time. But so, well, before yeah. we get
0: too far away from that, I want, yeah. to actually want to touch on Donald Miller just a little bit. Sure. Because uh, I'm also a fan. Yep. I learned about him. I read one of his books. And honestly, I don't even remember the name of that book. But the second book that I read, the first one was great. I read yep. the second one. And I think it was uh, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. Yes. Is that, is yeah. that right? Yeah. And sort of the premise of that book was, hey, he's written this fantastic book that yep. was super successful. And they come out and they're going to do a, basically a documentary or a movie yep. about him. And he started looking at his life and realizing, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure I have a movie worthy life. And so it was, the story was about how he turned around and decided what would he need to do to start living a life worth filming, right? Right. Worth being right. a movie, yep. which is, is a fascinating way to think about things. Yep. But I loved that book. We were actually, the family was doing a family trip. We listened to it on Audible, so the kids, my wife, you know, we all heard it. And uh, I've been a fan ever since. But, yeah, that's an awesome story and
1: awesome brand. What's interesting, and you don't know this, but so when I was trying to make that decision, at the same time, kind of crazy how all this happens, I'd just come back from a best friend's trip where... My friend was reading Love Does by Bob that's Goff. That's the other one. Yeah, that's another one. And it's so terrific, I that. went and got Love Does by mm-hmm. Bob Goff because Donald Miller did the preface for that. And right. then I got A Million Miles in a Thousand Years because I had never, I knew had the business side. I didn't right. know any of his books he had done before. So those two books were the books that I was reading when I was trying to mm-hmm. decide if I wanted to start mm-hmm. my own company. And so Million Miles in a Thousand Years actually pushed me over the edge because right. it's sitting there talking about. You know, creating this life that's like a movie-like life, right. creating these moments, you know, right. and and being okay with the uh, the fear and the really bad moments and remembering that's part of every movie, and mm-hmm. you got to go through that, have that <laughs> tension. And so I'm like, this is the tension, you right. know. And I remember, you know, to be a guide, it wasn't cheap. It would no. cost a lot, you know, pretty, pretty substantial. So it wasn't money.
0: just sign up and start working. No, you know. it was a lot. Yeah, It okay. was a lot of yeah. money.
1: And so, you know, mm-hmm. I pulled all that out in savings and I could see all my mortgage payments and everything I had, like that cut my runway back like three months. how <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> so I'm thinking, Just like if there are entrepreneurs out there, they all know they've oh, had yeah. this feeling. And, uh, but I was like, but that's part of the thing, right? It's like the whole adage of, uh, you know, when you... About to take the shores, you got to burn the ships, mm-hmm. and then there's no turning back. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, if I'm going to be serious about this, I really need to invest in myself. You know, if I'm I'm the only one that's going to believe in myself, so I'm going to be able to do that. And so, uh, so yeah, between uh, Bob Goff and Donald Miller, those books were what pushed me into into business for myself.
0: So You know, it's funny that you said that because I had forgotten that's where that is the book. I was thinking it was another Donald Miller book, but mm-hmm. it was actually it was the same book. Okay. Love Does, read yep. the yep. preface, had heard of him. I think he's actually mentioned later in the book, if I remember correctly, in Love Does. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but I remember that's where I'd heard the name. And then when I saw the book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, I made the connection. And yep. Anyway, both fantastic books, yep. great authors. It's really cool that you're they working are. with them. Yep. Uh, and you know what? Uh, it, you know, again, jumping back just a little bit, yeah. you know, ask, ask me what I was doing before I started Rocket IT. Go ahead. Ask me what I was doing. Before.
1: Oh, that was okay. teeing me up. What were you doing before? What were you doing before Rocket IT? Thank you. I'm glad you asked.
0: Well, funny thing is, I was laid off. I, I was working. I was looking, working for a little company building computers, and was laid off. And that was the thing. It's 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 like you said, burning the ships. You know, yeah. There's no turning back. They're not going to take me back. They have already laid me off. Time time to start the business. I think that is often the catalyst. Well, and in
1: story brand, when we're working with companies and we create what's called a brand script through the seven universal elements of story, that's part of the story is in almost every movie or big story you have, you have the, the climax is usually what we call the call to action and, in our marketing part of that, but it's where the hero is forced into doing something. Mm. And it's called an instigating event it has to force them into doing something because they would never do it on their own. Right. And if you think about your own life, that's the human condition is we never make really big changes until we're forced. Like we get laid Back off, we get divorced, wall. or somebody dies, or the mm. doctor says, hey, You're this, right. you know, and it finally forces us to do it. Fascinating.
0: So, hmm. yep. so
1: what, tell me a little bit about what you
0: do with StoryBrand today. Sure. What's a typical day look like for you when you're doing stuff with a StoryBrand? Because yeah. I know you're doing other things, but yeah, for that specific silo, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so as a StoryBrand certified guy, I do a couple things. One is I travel around the country and I deliver the StoryBrand keynote. So the oh. same presentation, I was like, oh, that's the best presentation ever. You get to do it. Now. I go around and I, I deliver that at conferences and oh. at chambers. Oh. Uh, and then I coach a lot of the uh, companies uh, that are coming to me. I coach and I also do the work, which is basically with StoryBrand, we focus on the messaging uh, and trying to help most people's messaging, the words they use, how they talk about their company or the way their website is written and the content and all their marketing pieces. 90% of the time, nobody ever pays attention to any of it. And there's science behind it because our brains are hardwired not to pay attention to anybody's marketing message. So we're all getting it wrong. In fact, when I heard the presentation, I spent my career as a marketing branding guy. That first time I heard Don, I'm like, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. (laughs) And so what we do is we go into a company and we help them create uh, marketing messages that will actually capture people's attention, Mm -hmm. have them leaning in the whole time, and actually have them take the call to action that we want to take. And it starts there, because so many people jump into websites and they jump into collateral and social media and campaigns. But it all starts with the messaging and what you say rather than how you say it or the platforms or the vehicles you use. So we come in and we do marketing strategy sessions and we we create what's called a brand script, which is becomes your filter for everything else that you do. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll go in and we'll create or update or, or um make their websites better right and we do email marketing campaigns and we do marketing collateral them as well and a lot of times i've because i because i do so much like you said this isn't the only thing that i do a lot of times now i'll partner with other story brand guides oh. uh, to actually do a lot of the work where they they're, they're they specialize in certain certain, in certain areas. areas. Yeah. But a lot of times I'm coming in I'm at the very beginning uh, and through the whole process, but I'm there coaching them or creating through the marketing strategy session the brand script that that tees up everything else. Mhm.
0: So let's talk about some of those other things that yep. you're focused on. Yep. So and and, and I want to I want to make sure that we cover you know I, I told folks already I think you're one of the most interesting <laughs> guys out there. You've done a lot of stuff. Should underpromise
1: promise and, and Well,
0: right. Yeah. Well, uh, the world's most interesting guy in yep. the framework of Matt Hyatt. So yeah, how, how's okay. that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Does that help? Some? It does.
1: It's <laughs> a very small world. Well,
0: it's so small uh, in this room, really. It is. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about a couple things that I think are kind of fun. You and I had uh, lunch a while back, yep. and I was telling you about my hobby of day drinking. Yes. And you said, "Hey, actually, I've invented a drink." Yes. Right? Yes. I'm only partially <laughs> about my hobby, <laughs> right?
1: You, your day drinking is like one drink, on a, right? Right. Well, that's all it takes, really. Yeah but, yeah.
0: but tell me, you invented a drink. How the yes. hell in the world did that? So, uh,
1: and I've invented a couple, but the one that started it all is uh, the a, one that I think I'm most known the for. Good one <laughs> by bartenders near and far right. <laughs> is uh, it's called the. The Dimming Way, of oh, course. Well, oh, you know, Dimming yeah. and Hemingway. Right. I created it in the Virgin Islands in Red Hook, which, if you've ever been to St. Thomas, Red Hook mm-hmm. is where you take the ferry over to St. John. Oh, yeah. And it was in a, a bar there called Duffy's Love Shack. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it is basically a, it's a vodka, uh-huh. uh, like Malibu rum and cranberry juice uh, with lime. And then uh, to make it unique is uh, you put a pinch of jerk seasoning on top ah, at the very end. Right. So when you first tilt it, have that first sip, you smell the aroma of the islands, and then the jerk seasoning sinks down and makes it a little salty and a little spicy. That's
0: pretty good. So yes. I am curious. I've never invented a drink. Yes. How does this work? You're sitting there and you're having a drink. You say, oh, well, that's pretty good, but I think these other ingredients... I yeah, so uh, I
1: remember I was... It all starts with talking to the bartender. Uh Uh-huh. And I remember she was a Marine. Oh, Because she had uh, 21 bullets tattooed around her arm. That's how we started the conversation. And... And then uh, we just, I started talking about making, making my own drink, and um, of course everybody has vodka and cranberry, but nobody, I don't think there's been one where you toss in the Malibu rum to, right. for that sort of coconut smell and flavor, right. and then the jerk seasoning, and so, and then I've created some over the years, at, and usually it's at different cities with different bartenders involved, okay. right. and then we use the local, Sort of ingredients, what they're known for. So I did one in Kentucky and Louisville called the Kentucky Bluebird, and it was bourbon based, right? Nice. And then I did one in Montreal called, I think the, I don't even remember now, Montreal Maple <laughs> Leaf or something, right. and it was some liqueur from nice. Montreal. So yeah, that's Very how I cool. got started.
0: Hey, you never know, there might be a a bar down somewhere in the islands that's still serving the Deming. So
1: Duffy's Love Shag, they said they were going to put it on the menu, but nice. I, have, I haven't
0: seen it you yet. need to go back down there. Yeah. check
1: it Although, out. this is funny, uh, I was in Indianapolis. I met, I ended up hanging out. At, it was at an international economic development conference, and I ended up hanging out with this uh, gentleman who was part of the U.S. Virgin Islands Economic Development Corporation. And as we got to talking... You know, he had dreadlocks and everything. And I could tell he had his lions. I could tell he was Rastafari. I think he was impressed that I knew about the Rastafari people Uh and their religion and the culture. So we ended up going to the bar and drinking that night and and making the dimming way. Well, it turns out his name is Positive. That's his real name. Really? Positive is his first name. Are you sure? And he's the current, yes. Yeah, I looked him up because then he started, he's the the commissioner of agriculture. For the I U.S. See. Virgin Islands. Really? And, uh, yeah, and a, like a seven-term senator and all this stuff. And so, yeah, positive. Wow. A- so, like, really bigwig, right? Yeah. And uh, and he, you know, so I lobbied for, do you think there's a way you could get this uh, official drink of the Virgin Islands? And, but I have him on tape. I'll show you afterwards. He's <laughs> endorsing it. <laughs> but we'll see. That's just the beginning of my lobbying efforts. But, yes, positive Nelson. I love it. Yep. All right so that i I find that
0: fascinating but you know what in addition to coming up with these incredible concoctions all over yep. the world uh, an accomplished artist also in fact uh, I yep. think somewhere I have you do. one of your art pieces of art yeah you do it's
1: probably in the attic it might be or the, or the be. garage yeah it's oh, it's around somewhere but it's that's where it'll be valuable right you know, especially when I die it'll be more want to save it yeah yeah uh, so yeah, it's so weird to be called an artist because I just still don't view myself. It's more of a you know it was always to me it was always a hobby, um, right. but I did sell some. But yeah, I grew up. I just always had a ta- like a natural talent from when I was really young. I loved to draw and I would spend hours drawing and was always known as the artist guy in high school nice. and got a partial scholarship to Savannah College of Art and Design. But I was never artsy. Right. So. um and then I sort of took a break from that for years, and then I think it was two thousand three or four. Was home for Christmas, and I started drawing again. And I'm like, ah, you know, "This, yeah, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. Like, how come you don't right. ever do anything with it?" So that was the same year again. I mentioned I went to NC State, and they had their first eleven win season, and they upset Notre Dame and the Gator Bowl. So I took a class on colored pencil realism. Oh, hmm. and I did a colored pencil painting of that game and ended up selling, you know, it was old school too. I had to pay for my 1000 limited edition prints up nice. front, you know, entrepreneurism, <laughs> right, yeah. and you know, like hoping I can make this back cause it wasn't cheap. Right. And then, um, and then sold them online and through the malls up there, through the Wolfpack club and, and made my money back and made a little bit of a profit. And then I moved to Georgia. Okay. And nobody cares they don't about wanna, NC they don't buy State. The down the NC State stuff here. So <laughs> the the girl I was with at the time, big Georgia fan. Oh. So I'd I'd never done oils. Mm. And so, you know, one Christmas I did an oil painting of Ugga and I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty good. And it's a lot <laughs> faster. It took me three months to do a colored pencil. Oh wow. It took me about three hours to do yeah. UGA. And oils, and so then people saw it. Then they wanted to buy it. So I started selling a bunch of that artwork down here for a That's while. Really so cool. yeah, yeah. And songwriter. And so songwriting, another thing I stumbled into <laughs> uh, <laughs> through the chamber world. I met a chamber executive at an event, and you know how it is—you talk into people, mm. and you find out. Well, before she was a chamber executive, she was a staff songwriter in Nashville. And I mentioned I'd worked for Warner Brothers, and I'd written some songs. Keep in mind, I was like 1994 right. when me and Faith Hill were a thing pre-Tim McGraw. Uh, <laughs> that's another story. And so I I said, well, can I send you my songs, and you tell me what you think? And she was like, well, okay, but they, you know if they're bad, I'm going to tell you they're bad, and I hope you don't hurt your feelings. This is what I did. I was like, oh, I'm good, because I'm sure she was going to be like, they're terrible. It's a good right. thing you went to the chamber world. <laughs> and I found them, and I sent them, and... She ended up, uh, she was like, These are great. Why'd you ever stop writing? And I said, I tell you what, if you can teach me the craft, I would love to write a lullaby for my daughters. And so that was the whole point. And then as we developed the, uh, the friendship and the relationship, it turns out her whole family are hit songwriters and producers. And that really? So. And wow. she and I started co-writing. And then I started writing, I was in a zone writing like a song a week. So I have a wow. catalog of about 60 songs. But then I never did anything with it because I'm not right. I'm not in Nashville. <laughs> I don't it's like an artist, I don't really consider myself a songwriter. I can kind of play the guitar a little right. bit. And uh, said so then a couple years ago I joined the Nashville Songwriters Association. And of course you did. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's we, that's because we do you're stuff like this too. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I pitched one of my songs, Carolina Blue, to Curb Music Group. And uh, and I remember he he went on and on about how great the song was, but then he didn't take it. No. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got it. it like, he's like, yeah, I remember distinctly he said, this is a great song, James Taylor influence. It's amazing, and that's one of the best hooks I've ever heard. But it's, it's slower, so it's not going to be a hit. It would make a great cut on a Kenny Chesney album, but since it won't be a hit, it's not gonna do anything for you, so I'm gonna pass. But great song. Ah. And I remember thinking, I'll take a cut on a Kenny Chesney album. It not have to be a hit. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <I'm gonna negotiate. laughs> but I could, it's done. <laughs> and so, but he must have said something to the association, because they get all the industry, all the feedback, and they he must have said something. So they selected it as their top 40, one of their top 40 songs for the fall of 2017. And so the next week wow. after that I submitted another song and uh, and they picked it and it was a song called Saint Somewhere that they did pitch to Kenny Chesney. Really? And um but I haven't heard I don't think Kenny's picked it yet. Right. So we're still well, working it's on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome! I love yep. it. Yeah, I love so, it. So I got all these songs out here. I don't know what I'm going to do with them.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? That's I actually did not know that about you. So uh, I learned something new.
1: Yep. Here you go. All
0: right. So let's talk more about
1: business yes. and entrepreneurship because yep. you've
0: made the leap now and yep. you're doing. It sounds like that really started with yep. stuff you're doing with Donald Miller yep. and the Story Brand, but it's expanded beyond that. Yeah. And so, tell me—you touched on Google a little bit, but let's talk about that. How, how did that happen?
1: Yeah, so it's—it's it's funny how things work out, right? You, you create your business, you go out on the ledge, you believe in yourself, you take the risk, and then if you plan and if you—I mean, I think then just things start happening, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time that I launched that in the summer of this was two years ago, so summer two thousand seventeen. Google, around that time, found out that Constant Contact had let go all of these regional development directors at I the see. same time that they wanted to grow their new brand-new Program called Grow with Google, so they needed basically professional speakers that are you know can go out and, and educate businesses. So exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. so they picked a handful of us, and it was just like uh, if you 've seen that movie the internship yeah. <laughs> we did the interviews <laughs> with the Google Hangouts. Nice. in fact, I had to learn how to use Google Hangouts right. first before I went on my interview. Uh, and uh, and then <laughs> and then they they brought on a handful of us to start doing that. So that all started at the same time I was getting my first customers with StoryBrand, and so that continues to this day. And I do about I do about three or four, sometimes more, but I try to limit it to about three or four a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, conferences around the country, and uh, that's a lot. It is a lot. It mm-hmm. is a lot, but it's a lot of fun. I was in Raleigh yesterday with wow. Wake Forest Chamber doing an event up there. And then at the same time all that was going on, back when I was first starting, a friend of mine who runs uh, one of the leading capital campaign management firms, where what what I used to do with the chamber, we would go in and raise millions of dollars for chambers and economic development organizations. Uh, He asked me if I ever wanted to help out part-time in Atlanta. And of course, this is early, this is right when I'm starting, I was like, I'll take, Yes. Whatever you got. You yes. know? And then, of course, nothing happened with that. Oh. <laughs> and I never heard anything. <laughs> and then meanwhile, I'm getting customers, and I'm doing Google. And then that's when he calls, and he says, hey, I've got, got a project in Cherokee County up here. Would you like to help? And I hmm. was like, I'll try it out. And it was a friend of mine that runs that too. Uh, so that's the other thing that I do um, is I'll go around the country and I'll help uh, chambers and economic development organizations raise money. So I'm in Seattle Nice. Now, every other week uh, with the new, uh, brand new regional organization called the Greater Seattle Partners, and we're raising $14 million uh, wow. for a three-year program. And normally I wouldn't do that because I've got my daughters, you know, mm-hmm. half the time with my ex. But I was like, this is too good of an opportunity. It's only 10 months if that mm-hmm. to pass up being in Seattle. And then the board, it's working with, literally, I'm in meetings with the president of Microsoft Wow, and the heads of you know Amazon and uh, the companies I didn't even know were headquartered you know Microsoft, Nordstrom, mm-hmm. Costco, warehouse, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's been it's been a lot of fun.
0: Very cool. So a three pronged, yep, business really. I yep. mean, you you you've got you're still doing the story brand, you've got the Google, and then you're doing this uh, yep. consulting work with uh, with the chambers of commerce, which yep. was just awesome. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I am uh, super impressed with what you've accomplished in a short amount of time because I, I remember, you know, I remember we talked about what you were planning to do. And, yep. uh, and a lot of that, a lot of exactly what you said you were interested in doing just two or three years ago yep. has come to pass. Yeah. Congratulations. So
1: far, thank you. Yeah.
0: That's really <laughs> cool. Let's talk about kids for just a minute. Yes. So you do have two beautiful girls. Yep. Uh, how old are they?
1: They are 10. Okay. So the cool thing about my daughters, so Ashley and Reagan, uh, we have the same birthday, too. Really? Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So they're amazing. Amazing. So one of the things, uh, the reason I want to bring them up and talk yep. talk about your relationship with your girls is yep. that, again, following along with you on Instagram and yep. watching where you're going and uh, just t- talking with you, I think you're a very experiential father. Yes, like you, for usually, sure. You take your girls and you guys do stuff, yep. you know, and you go places. I think you're interested in history. Yeah. Uh, all three of you seem to yep. be. Where does that come from? Is that the way you were raised, or is that just sort of a, something that uh, that is part of, of who you are? How, how did how did that happen that you became such an experiential father to your kids?
1: Uh, well, I had I definitely had great parents that were always there for me. Uh, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so we didn't we weren't able to do a lot of trips. For me, I think it was a intentional choice that I wanted to create memories. Mm -hmm. that would last a lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? That they would remember. And then kind of weaving in learning opportunities for them, you know, part of it as a single dad is you only have them for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I think it actually made me a better father because when you only have them for three or four days at a time, then you are focused. You know, we are not watching TV. We are not (laughs) on devices, but I also know (laughs) when I drop them off, it's like well, now I got three or four days on right. The end, right? Right. So it's not sustainable, but I do think I, it, so. We're just really focused and really close. And
0: you need those three or four days just to I do. catch up on the rest. Exactly. And <laughs>
1: yeah. Recharge. I do, and yeah. and you know they love it, and I can see how it's had an impact on them, and, and I think that's the especially it can be moms and dads, but especially mm-hmm. for dads is to create the sense of adventure mm-hmm. and to push them out of their comfort zone. So one of the things we started doing years ago. There's a great book called uh, the, the Daring Book for Girls. There's oh, yeah, also one called yeah, The Dangerous right. Book for Boys. Right. So we would do a Daring Book of Girls weekend. Uh, it's always around the spring break time, and we would go up to Lake Lanier with the book, and mm. we would pick out three or four or five things that we would do. Mm. And so, you know, that's where they first got their first Swiss Army pocket <laughs> knives, and I'm ex- trying to teach them how to open it and close it without right. cutting themselves and how to right. whittle in the first camping trip. On uh, The first hiking trip and how nice. to build We're Scotch-Irish and uh, building carns everywhere and explaining what that is. So, you know, those are the types of moments that um, you can tell is going to sort of live on long after me for sure.
0: So you mentioned the Irish thing. I think mm-hmm. I do remember seeing... Uh, uh,
1: Scotch-Irish, but Scot- mostly Scotch-Irish. Yeah. Irish.
0: I only heard half of what you said. <laughs> but I saw some pictures. You're wearing yes. kilts. Yes. What, where were you? Where, where, where does one wear a kilts uh, in, we, in Georgia?
1: One wears a kilt every, anywhere they want. Is there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've worn I them please, to black, black tie formals. I used to yes. wear them to chamber events all the time. Uh, so we are part, my dad uh, was a big founder of the Loch Norman Highland Games in Charlotte. Really? Wow, and we are we have several clans that we're uh, associated with, but our main one is Clan Henderson, okay, from the sort of middle high part of Scotland, a place called Glencoe. In fact, they were massacred uh, along with the McDonald's by the Campbells. So wow. we still, whenever I see a Campbell, yeah, usually, we're worried. Right, uh, but if you've ever watched Game <laughs> of Thrones, the Red Wedding was m- modeled after that massacre. Oh so. My little history lesson there but the hendersons so that what you saw most recently was the stone mountain highland games and so we go to one or two and especially ashley loves it reagan she's the girly girl she likes doing girly girl stuff ashley loves it so we go out there and these game highland games it's where you get in your kilts and they have bagpipes and all the scottish games and uh border collies and Oh All goodness. of that. So she, she loves it. So that was our latest latest trek with the Highland Games.
0: That is hilarious. Yep. So let's do a lightning round. Let Tell us. Three businesses running. They're <sighs> going great. <laughs> is that, Thunder, or, like, is that what that is? Uh, but uh, tell us, please. Is there another business in store? Is yeah. there going to
1: be a fourth? <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. All right. So, you know, it's funny as you start, you know, growing your business, then you start figuring out, okay, how can I make money without working this hard? Right. You're working pretty hard right now, I especially am. with all that travel. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like you have to find a need. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I've seen uh, working with over 15,000 small business owners every day, especially small, small business owners. Mm-hmm is uh, thinking about an online course. Not like there needs to be another online course out right. there. But the one of the needs that I've seen is that so many of the courses are when people are trying to figure out marketing on their own, it's way over their head, mm-hmm. or it's too complicated, or it's too much. Mm-hmm. Especially for small business owners, that's just not their area of expertise. Right. So I was thinking of creating a marketing that li- literally leads them step-by-step uh, with a couple of things in mind, one based on research, uh, what has the most, what's going to make the most impact? Yeah. But what's something you can do in less than fifteen to thirty minutes at a time? Great. And what's something that's affordable? Mm-hmm. And then on top of all of that, because I still know how these small businesses are, because I was one of them they're still not going to do anything right. unless you give them like a template. They're right. not writers. They're not copywriters. So then giving them templates that literally they can drop in and plug and play great. to do all of that. So I'm, I'm uh, thinking about that right now. Yeah, I love it. Got to put all that together and figure you, it out.
0: You know what? There, there is a huge need for those things. Yeah. And I think that that's a great business model because you're looking at potentially a, a passive income source. You, know, if you, right. you create it once and it sells over and over again. Uh, that's a pretty great way to yep. to make money without having to do the work over and over. Uh, but, you know, my parents ran a retail store for, for a long, long time. Yep, And they are not technologists. They're not marketing people. They're not website developers. And they needed help. But the, you're right. The hurdle was so high to sit down, imagine what needs to be done, find somebody that can either help them or learn how to do it yourself. And that just, it was just too much. And so it never happened. Yeah. And that's what happens all the time. And
1: I learned it in Google and they would come, people would come to my workshops and then I would come back six months. later. they would come to my workshops again. And I'm like, have you done anything? Have you hit sent? like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you can't, nothing's going to happen until you actually do something. (laughs) You can learn all you want, take all the notes you want, but you got to do something. And that's really what this is about is, after I leave from Google or a workshop, I, they, they have the tools to be able to actually go yeah. and actually do something and see the results. So, I think it's a great idea. Thank you.
0: So, I know you are an avid uh, reader. You're, yes, you uh, you listen to podcasts. I presume. Yes. Uh, tell us uh, any favorite books, favorite podcasts. What should we be listening to or reading? I
1: like the Rocket IT Always Mission Critical podcast. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I just learned about it today. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, especially that one episode, number nine. (laughs) Number nine. It's supposed to be pretty great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would definitely recommend, we talked about, Donald Miller has a great one called Building a Story Brand Podcast. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, Probably the best one out there, and I listen to a lot. Uh, books, I do like to read a lot. So I'm reading, God, this sounds like the Donald Miller episode, but it just <laughs> happens to be this, uh, just happened right now. I'm reading one of his books going back, uh, called scary close. Oh, uh, which is really good. Well. Okay. Uh, kind of about relationships with he and his, when he met his wife and everything. Uh, as, but I usually have like three or four going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, Michael Hyatt's, mm-hmm. uh, free to focus. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I get emails from him, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Matt." Like, no, that's Mike. That's Mike. <laughs> oh darn! <laughs> Michael, <Hyatt. laughs> it's Michael. <laughs> uh, and then uh, f- for fun, uh, actually, uh, "The Man with the Golden Gun" by Ian Fleming, the original Bond novel. Yeah, nice. And in the middle of that, I started following and studying James Bond a couple years ago after staying down at Ian Fleming's estate in Jamaica. So, wow! Great. Yeah,
0: love it. All right, tell us, how can we reach you?
1: Sure, so uh, the company I have is called New Marketing Makeover, so you can go to newmarketingmakeover.com. My contact information's there. You can email me at Deming, D-E-M-M-I-N-G, weird Mm. name, at newmarketingmakeover.com, and you can even call me if you want. Really? Yeah. Dare you? How many is it? 60,000 people that follow this. I think it's this? fifty
0: or sixty. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah.
1: just test it. But <laughs> six, six, seven, eight, four, one, four, four, five, zero, eight.
0: Okay, awesome, <laughs> <laughs> terrific, Deming, uh This has been awesome. Uh, it's been a real pleasure uh, hearing you. about your background and what you do.
1: Uh, is there anything I missed? I can't think of any. I mean, I would just say, I've got to say not because you invited me to be on the podcast, but I'm just really honored to be on the podcast, and I'm really (laughs) honored to know know you. Thank you. Because, sincerely, uh, because you are definitely one of the great leaders that I've always admired and looked up to, and it's just great to see kind of where you've come and where you're going with this, uh, especially your plans.
0: Well, thank you for reading that script that
1: I wrote for you. (laughs)
0: You, you did it perfectly. No, I, I yes. appreciate it very much. Deming, yeah. you're a good friend. I appreciate you. On that note, I believe it's time to wrap up our time together. Deming, for myself and our listeners, thank you for joining us today. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Rocket IT podcast. We hope you found today's episode both enlightening and inspiring. Finally, a quick plug for Rocket IT. We work with businesses, nonprofits, and municipalities in the areas of IT support, information security, and strategic planning. To learn more about Rocket IT and how we can help you leverage your organization's technology investment, keeping you ahead of the competition, visit rocketit.com. Should you have any questions about today's discussion, email us at podcast at rocketit.com or catch us on any of our social media channels. Thank you.